because we want to make sure that the animal that we put into a sow farm is going to be there for five, six, seven parodies as a highly producing sow. So it's one of the most important things that we do on a daily basis is getting animals into these sow farms that will be productive for the sow farm managers. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. AccuFast, the best way to predict the future is to create it. Start creating your future today at AccuFastSwine.com. Eastman works with you to accelerate your nutritional program innovation. FeedFlow, feed is too expensive to ignore. Take control with FeedFlow. Sunai, we provide value-added biotech solutions. Healthy Farms by Bioverse, your manure management experts. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Swine It podcast. I'm your host, Trey Kellner, and today I'm excited because we're joined by Carrie Hopkins. Good morning, Carrie. How are you? I'm well. How are you today? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for asking. Carrie, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? So my name's Carrie Hopkins, and I am the Senior Genetic Service Manager at New Fashion Pork in Jackson, Minnesota. I have been in walking around in barns for 38 years, and I've seen a lot, uh, been a lot of places, and I'd like to think that's made me uh, better at what I do. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, Carrie, let's start big picture, right? So, you have nearly four decades of experience in guilt selection and retention. First of all, what is guilt selection? What What's that job description like? What's that task? And overall, what are you trying to achieve? So our, our overall goal is to put the very best female into our sow farms. Uh, I have a guilt selector that works for me. Her name is Jody, And guilt selection is all about evaluating how an animal walks, um, how, how she looks, her temperament. Uh, does she have a good underline? Um, is, is the vulva and um, her rear legs, are they good to carry a litter to full term in a sow farm? Uh, we have her walk. Sometimes we have her run because we want to make sure that the animal that we put into a sow farm is going to be there for five, six, seven parodies as a highly producing sow. So it's one of the most important things that we do on a daily basis is getting animals into these sow farms that will be productive for the sow farm managers. Meet AccuFast, your trusted partner in raising efficient, healthy, and sustainable pork. We're not just about genetics, we're about tailored solutions that set you on your path to success, no matter how you define it. At AccuFast, we channel our investments into three crucial pillars, our genetic offering, proprietary technology platform, and leading commercial measurement system, ensuring tangible results for our partners. Visit our website at AccuFastSwine.com or reach out to an AccuFast customer success rep to discuss how we can help you create the future you've been working towards. AccuFast. The best way to predict the future is to create it. Yeah, 
Yes, it, and it's so important because they are the future, right, of each of our sow herds, right? So maybe let's talk about, you know, if that process isn't done correctly, what are the impacts uh, that, you know, farms might see for the next three to four years? So the first impact would be, let's say I send 60 gilts into a sow farm um, a week. And if we don't do a really good job selecting those gilts, that sow farm may only be able to put 45 of them in because we didn't choose their legs properly or she happens to become lame and the sow farm doesn't even get to utilize her. Uh, Long term, uh, so we've sent the 60 gilts in. We think we've done a pretty good job at selecting them and they go on to breeding, but under the, the weight that she's carrying when she's carrying a full litter, we may find later on that we actually didn't choose well enough. Her legs weren't good enough and the sow farm has to remove her from the herd. And so it really affects long-term production in the sow farm if we don't make that selection correctly. Yeah. So Carrie, o- over your experience, what scorecards or what key metrics do you use to determine if if you and your team were successful or not in in doing that process? So in our record keeping system, we're able to uh, run reports that show us what percentage of the gilts that entered the herd make it to the third parity. And we would like that number to be 75% or higher. Um, And um, that's really our report card when we look at that. And I run that regularly. Sure. Yeah. So, Carrie, one thing um, with your experience, how has guilt selection changed, if at all, um, you know, since the 1980s to today and now it's 2024? Oh, I got to tell you, I can remember so many years ago, it it was kind of like, uh, oh, she's got four legs. So, (laughs) yes, we're going to put her in the breeding barn. And uh, I think that that as as gilts as we as we started to have more pigs we started to realize that maybe we needed just a little bit more from her than just mm. being able to walk on four legs and so then the teat counts started uh watching her walk uh looking to see how aggressive she was when we selected her in the pen because you're you're in a pen with 40 or 50 gilts and uh, that those were some of the biggest changes was really starting to take a look at how does she act? How does she walk? Um, and, and putting all those into sort of our equation for what is a, a successful guilt selection. Yeah. Uh, Carrie, then thinking forward, what about the next four decades from your experience? You know, are we going to incorporate technology or yes. we're going to use, you know, camera algorithms, you know, how do you think that that technology is going to be a tool um, for guilt selection going forward? Well, you know, we're already using some of that computer technology in recording how she walks, her gait, because that has become very, very important. Um, We have a sow farm that is a uh, open pen gestation, about 260 animals per pen. And on that sow farm, we actually run the gilts. We get them out into a wide alleyway and we run them because we want to be able we want to be able to see how she runs, how she walks when she slows down, 
we want to see all that to get her ready to go into a large pen system. And so I think going forward, uh, computer technology may become commonplace, even in our system where we internally multiply. Yeah. Um, so Carrie, one thing, you know, when we talk about guilt selection and self-harm performance is sow mortality. And Carrie, you've seen a lot of trends, both good and bad through the swine industry over the past 40 years, right? We've, we've almost doubled our total born and our number weaned since then. But one thing that has increased is sow mortality, right? Probably seven, eight years ago, we were around 11, 12%. And now we're knocking on the door of nearly 20%. So from your, your perspective, and this is a good one, right? Kind of overseeing the future, you know, of, of the sow farms, where do you think some underlying reasons from your perspective of why we've seen about a percent increase of sow mortality here uh, per year, the past decade? So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that we're still at that 10% in our company. And okay, so why do you think that is, Carrie? I think it's our guilt selection. Guilt selection, okay. I do, I do. Uh, we we're probably at about seventy percent selection rate on our F ones and about fifty five percent on our pure females. Okay, and, and because we internally multiply, it gives us a little bit more of a choice. We have sure we we can be a little bit more stringent in our uh, requirements. Um, sow mortality, you know, we ask a lot of her. This mm. sow that 30 years ago we were jumping up and down if she gave us 10 pigs is now giving us 20. And so we're, we're asking so much more of her that I think that our selection has to become, it has to be on the same curve that she's on. And the more we're asking of her, the more particular we need to be in choosing her. And I, I actually think Trey that this year we'll touch on a single digit sound mortality company wide in our company. Yeah, because that's it, it's very a big impressive. Deal. Yeah. So Carrie, you know, advice to others, right. That are listening that this may be an area of, of focus for them. Um, would you say investing in people, you know, training guilt selection, or, you know, incorporating that with, as we said, some camera technology, et cetera, um, that that's a great place to start, Carrie. Would that be even your first place to start? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, my When Jody goes in to select a pen of guilt, it isn't, oh, I only have an hour to run in and do this sure. selection. She spends time in those pens with those guilts, and she will walk them by and look them over and, and she gives them a dot if they pass, you know, criteria number one, vulva size, uh, criteria number two, feet. She spends a lot of time in those pens and it we're reaping the benefits of her selection ability. Yeah, clearly, clearly. Um, so let's transition a little bit from the female side uh, now to the the boar stud, right? So you also have experience on that. And I always kind of refer to, for a lot of people within the pork industry, the boar stud is the ultimate black box. It is. And that's for biosecurity reasons, right? We want that to be the top of our biosecurity pyramids and try to keep our boar stud as clean as possible. But that also means that there's not a lot of access. 
So yeah. Carrie, for a lot of our listeners, they really don't know what a bore stud is. First of all, let's just start big picture. Can you explain what a bore stud is, how it's laid out, and what their practices and processes are on a daily basis? Yeah, so the bore stud, uh, we have two of them. One has 125 bores and the other has 250. And I'm gonna back up. Years ago, you know, we had the bores on the farm and we did hand mating. You took the bores that you had and you did what you could with them. And through technology, time, EBVs, uh, the indexes on bores, we'd like to have the very best index used on our sows. And what better way to do that than artificial insemination? Mm -hmm. And so we house these bores in individual stalls and they are collected once a week to provide an ejaculate that we extend to go out to the sow farms. Uh, they're, as I said in my notes to you, you know, for being the big tough guy, those boars are really sensitive. They don't like a new neighbor. They don't like a new, they don't like a new employee in the barn. Uh, they're incredibly sensitive, but, uh, the, the boar stud is, uh, it, it's the heart and it's also the first place that a sow farm will point a finger at if their conception rates go down always the boar stud. And so we've really tried to build a relationship with the sow farms and the sow farm managers so that they can trust the product that comes out of the facility. Yeah. So Carrie, maybe explain some of the quality um, assurance procedures that you have within your boar studs to ensure that that quality and that trust is maintained. So every day we check the samples from five days ago. So we look at samples from 24 hours out to five days and we make sure that we have good motility and that everything in the sample looks good. Every two weeks, we'll send six random samples. I just have them pull them so that they can't plan for them to a third party evaluation to make sure that our cell count is where it needs to be and our motility morphology is all good with those doses. And anytime a sow farm has a problem, I provide that information to them. Uh, another thing that we do at this at our boar studs that's maybe different from other places is no sow farm gets a single batch. Um, if we have mm -hmm. a batch, it is equally split between two sow farms that are getting semen that day. It's kind of a check and balance because if one sow farm jumps up and down and says, we have a 50% conception rate, but the other one was a 95, then we don't have a semen problem. We have an on-farm problem. Mm -hmm. And that's solved a lot of, a lot of questions in the past with um, our semen production. Sure. Yeah. And good, good tip to share. Um, so one thing for sure that you discussed, Carrie, in your notes was you know, and you mentioned before was building that trust, right? So you probably aren't having a lot of on-site visitors, right? To show them the process or the bores. So how are you best doing that? Is that personal communication? Are you doing virtual tours? How best are you interacting with those cell farm managers to create that trust and break down those barriers? So we actually have had our cell farm managers in the bore stud. We've, oh, nice. Um, Very nice. Yeah, we've gotten them cleaned up over the weekend and showered in on a Monday morning. 
and we let them watch the whole process. We let them see the evaluation um, out to day five. They watch the process when the dose comes into the lab, how much care is given. So that, when I first did that, the cell farm managers were amazed at the process. Oh, I bet. Because up to that point, they had no idea. I, I, mm -hmm. One of them actually said they thought that it just came in and got mixed up and went right out to the cell farm. They had no idea that we have this high power microscope on the counter that we're actually evaluating individual cells. Yes. Yeah. No, as I said, it's the black box. So I've had some people just say, oh, it just magically appears. It just shows up. <laughs> right. So it does. Clearly, it does. clearly not the case at all. So uh, one thing uh, that I wanted to close on on this Borstead conversation before we shifted on to our next topic, Carrie, is, you know, we've talked a little bit. I'm a nutritionist, right? One thing that's easy to blame is speed. The next thing that's easy to blame is the Borstead. So as you have clearly shown, you know, breaking down barriers, building trust for those, you know, that are, you know, in systems and positions like yours, what best piece of advice can you give them um, you know, to kind of build that trust and show, hey, we're producing a quality product for you. It's really about being an open book. Um, if you, if the software managers or management, other places in the company don't know or understand what's going on within the doors of that bore stud, uh, you automatically always think the worst. And mm. so it really is about being an open book. And it's been, it's been easy for me because my background has been sows for my whole career. And I, I took over the boar studs in 2007. And that's when we really started to work on the trust factor with the sow farm so that they would know that we had a, a quality product um, being delivered to the farm. And so for my best advice is be an open book. And like you said about filming, Boar studs, commercial boar studs would do the sow farms. They provide semen to a great favor if they just filmed the process one morning mm -hmm. and let everybody see it. Yes. Yeah. As soon as you have that visual, those, those barriers just kind of evaporate, right? So they do. awesome. So Carrie, we spent our first 17 minutes here talking about pigs. The thing that's maybe even more important is the people that we work with every day. So Carrie, you, you have this experience and you've worked with great individuals and individuals that are coachable and then individuals that probably aren't as coachable. Describe to our listeners how important the people aspect is of getting this right and doing our job as best as we can every day. So I think that human nature is to feel like we contribute. If we don't feel like we're contributing to the end product, then I think we can become disgruntled. Mm -hmm. And so our goal is to put employees on a track that helps them grow so that every day they feel like they're contributing to what's going on in the farm. And I've always had a motto that was take someone with you. If I'm moving along, I should be taking someone with me. And I think one of the biggest barriers to break down, in fact, I'll tell you about a question I asked one time. I asked the department head in a SOW unit why they weren't transferring the knowledge to their employees that we were giving mm -hmm. to them. 
And the sentence was, well, it's job security. And so I had to take a minute with that employee and explain to them that true job security comes when you're a developer and a teacher of people because you become invaluable to the company that you work for. And so we're trying to, we're trying to build a, a system where knowledge is transferred easily and readily. Um, your word being, um, being honest with people, um, having your word mean something when you say something, uh, follow through with it. If you can't follow through with it, don't, don't say it. And so that's, that's kind of our, the way we look at training people in the company. Mm. Oh, great words, Carrie. Um, you know, also just to mention your notes, something that I try to do too, that I just want to highlight for our listeners and, and showcase on your behalf, if you're okay with it, Carrie, is also just being humble and saying, I'm not sure, or, you know what, I got that wrong, but you know what, I'm going to, I want to do better the next time. Um, I think breaking down those barriers in terms of that trust relationship one-on-one or, you know, one to a team, um, is super important. I, I, I can't tell you the times I've had to say I was wrong or I'm sorry, um, or I owe you an apology because I handled something incorrectly. Um, I just had to do that with a crew this week and, and I meant every word of it because, it's important to, for them to know that I have their best interest at heart mm -hmm. and I messed up and I mess up all the time, Trey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. I, I always try to, you know, have the stance of, you know, not trying to make myself look good or make my team look good or whatever. We're trying to make all of us look good. Yes. And that's, that's the uh, intention a hundred percent of the time. Yes. Um, so then stating that, right. And then acting that way um, can be just as important as um, providing, you know, a quality service or product every time. Right. Correct. So, yeah. It's time for our famous three. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. DSM Furminish. You can combat mycotoxins in your feed with Fumezyme from DSM Furminish. Fumezyme is the only FDA-approved enzyme to degrade fumonisins. Metafarms, transforming agricultural with data-driven solutions for pork producers. Adiseo provides programs and services to help producers achieve their targets in high-quality, safe, and sustainable way. AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production. Explore Metafarms for all your livestock production data needs. Experience our integrated software platform offering complete operational visibility from breed to market. Utilize customizable dashboards for data analysis and benchmarking. Metafarms mobile apps enable offline access, maximizing efficiency and enhancing profitability. Visit us today at Metafarms. Sunai is a professional solution provider for enzymes, probiotics, and functional additives. We offer customized formulas to target nutritional issues in livestock and maximize the utility of animal feed. Find us at sunai.com, spelled S-U-N-H-Y, for more information. All right, Carrie, I have kind of four final questions here to kind of wrap up this podcast. First, I'd like our listeners to get to know you a little bit better 
What is the biggest hurdle that you've overcome in your career that you're the most proud of? Oh, Trey, that's a tough one. Um, I think probably, I, I, don't want, I don't want this to sound wrong, but it, it's about being truly genuine. Mm. And that has come, I think, with time. Um, getting comfortable with, with who I am and using that for strength. Um, that, that's probably been just the biggest thing. And that's, like I said, probably just come with maturity. Mm-hmm. I am who I am. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, that's, that's an outstanding answer. And thanks for sharing that, Carrie. Um, it's cold today as we're doing this podcast, right? It's supposed to be colder the week after this podcast. So I want to ask a funner question instead of thinking about the cold. What's your favorite thing to do when the weather starts to warm up again? Oh my gosh, my flower beds. Holy cow. And then camping. We camp. Um, and I got to tell you, we started when, uh, everybody was on COVID lockdown and I, I said to my husband, look, I'll go to that campground, but I don't want everybody in my campsite, you know, (laughs) and I got to tell you, it wasn't, but just a month into going up there on the weekend where, boy, if I didn't have everybody there that I could cook a huge breakfast for, I was unhappy. And that ended up, uh, camping is a place where I go to breathe at the end of the week. That's where I breathe. Yeah, and my grandkids. Awesome. Oh my gosh, playing outside with my grandkids. Oh yes. Yep. Uh, do you have a particular flower that you like the best or that's in your box the most? Probably Wygelia shrubs. I think they're the I'm most sure. beautiful shrub. Yeah, that's awesome, Carrie. Um, what's your favorite pork recipe? Oh, I have, it's called a uh, neighborhood bean soup full of ham. Mm old recipe that I found. I just made it the other night, in fact, and uh, quite delicious for this time of the year. Yes, that sounds amazing. Um, Last question for you, Carrie. If you could fix one issue that the pork industry has today and you could fix it tomorrow, which would you pick and why? I would pick sow mortality. Same. Because it it is um, far reaching. It can be devastating to production and it can be devastating to morale of employees Mm -hmm. um, because it's pretty humbling to take care of animals. And when you have to, you know, take care of a lame sow or, or, you know, something along those lines, it's disheartening to a crew and it's hard on them. And so that would be the first thing, the very first thing I would fix. Yeah. No, great answer and cannot echo those comments more. So, Carrie, I want to thank you for your time. This has been a great conversation, and I'm sure our listeners got a lot out of this. So with that, this concludes this episode of the Swinet Podcast. I hope you check out more episodes that come out every week. Thanks and have a good day. Looking to elevate your brand and captivate audiences through the power of podcasting? Look no further. Introducing the custom podcast brought to you by Wisemetics, where we take care of the behind the scenes so that you can focus on what truly matters. 
Podcasting has become an invaluable tool for brand awareness, but let's face it, putting it into practice can be a daunting task. It's incredibly time consuming and requires technical know-how, but don't worry, we've got you covered. With our experienced team at The Help, we'll handle the operational aspects so you can channel your energy into what your company does best. Are you ready to unleash the podcasting potential of your company? Schedule a call with one of our specialists today at the link in the bottom of this episode. You'll also receive a free podcast strategy consult tailored to the unique needs and goals of your business.